Welcome to this week's episode of BusinessWise. This is a podcast series for entrepreneurs interested in expanding through learning and applying the management system discovered and developed by humanitarian, philosopher, and administrator, Mr. L. Ron Hubbard. There's probably no more hot topic amongst the membership than sales. Uh, Mention you're going to do a sales training, you're likely to get immediate interest. An educated guesstimate on my part, I would say that there are more sales courses and sales training books, videos, and audio material than any other single subject in management. And there are probably uh, no more willing students than salespeople who are constantly working to improve their skills. Most salespeople are paid based on their volume of sales, so it would make sense that they are constantly working to improve their sales skills. So you see a lot of uh, realtors and people who you know, are largely in the sales business, you know, sales representatives of various different organizations and companies. They're always, you know, attending the latest sales training rage or program, what have you. There's quite a bit to know about sales, actually. There's nothing wrong with all these uh, pursuits. There's a lot of misinformation about sales. You have to be able to sort out what's good and what isn't good from it. No, but the the thing to know is that there is a technology of sales. There is a know-how about sales and a professional salesman should be aware of that fact first and foremost. And then uh, engage themselves in the business of finding out what the true information is and learning that. But anyway, let's get on with this episode. I have a wise licensed consultant who has a reputation for being able to double the business of their clients in the first two months of servicing them. Guess which area they tackle first in order to get those results? That's right, sales. It's a common bug. There is many a professional artist, for instance, a tradesman professional, doctors, they they almost seem to pride themselves on how poor they are at sales, and their statistics show it. If I would pick a common denominator of all my most successful wise members, I think that that common denominator would probably be that they can all sell. But you want to hear something crazy. Here is a description. I'm going to quote it from a website from a well-known business school. This is their description of their MBA program. Quote, The core curriculum consists of courses in accounting, economics, finance, human and organizational performance, marketing, operations, and strategy. Outside the core, students can take more electives to dive deep into these areas or pursue more specialized classes such as negotiation and data analytics. That's the end of that quote. That's from their website. Do you notice something missing? That's right. They're not talking about sales. Now, I don't have an MBA personally, but I've been approached by hundreds of MBAs in my career telling me that they are learning things from the Hubbard Management System that they were never taught in their MBA program. And I can tell you that one of the things they appear to never be taught is sales. Yet this is the common denominator in my most successful most successful entrepreneurs I know. They all know how to sell. Whether it's their ideas, it's their product, their service, they can sell. Now, in many people's minds, sales is kind of a quirky subject. People will tell you uh, you have to be sort of a special kind of person to be in sales, which probably is a nice way of saying you have to be a little nuts. One thing that uh, is for sure is few people in an organization get as much pressure as salespeople do. You know, that everybody's counting on them to make the nut, to make their paychecks. The salespeople have to, one thing they generally have to have is an ability to withstand pressure. But uh, if you get a mental picture of salesmen, quote unquote, you might get a 
Probably get a picture of a guy in a check jacket, bow tie, bowler hat, you know, used car salesman type. Or maybe you get a, a picture of a guy in a, you know, sort of a dapper, suave, slightly dangerous character that you definitely should avoid. But you probably don't get the picture, the correct picture of an intelligent, well-spoken and caring individual whose idea of happiness is to help and serve the customer in front of them. But that should be the picture you get because these are the qualities of great salespeople. Per Mr. Hubbard's landmark article, Group Sanity, this is what we've been covering for the last, what are we on now? This is the seventh point. So this is the seventh episode from this one article on group sanity. Now, the article is called Group Sanity, but these 11 points, and we're tackling today number seven, which is sales, by the way, because you didn't figure that out. These points, when they are in Make for Group Sanity, in other words, when they're in existence, when they're being dealt with appropriately, but when they are out, they are very definitely areas of insanity. So what we're covering right now is some of the insanity that goes into sales. But the important thing is this, if, you're, if you have an awareness of these 11 points, it empowers you to deal with it. Putting in standard sales in your company, for instance, as a route to sanity and prosperity. So it's a very, very important subject, not just because it's an important know-how or an important technology. It's also important because it's an important point of sanity within your group. So anyway, first of all, well, we're going to get on with this. But first of all, before we uh, get into the, the article, the reference, we've covered this before, but we're going to look at the definition of the word sales. Uh, which is, of course, the subject of selling. And to sell means, according to Mr. Oxford, give or hand over something in exchange for money. And like the example they give here, they had sold the car. So that's a pretty standard understanding. You wouldn't think you'd have to clear the word sales with people, but I find it very interesting to look at the derivation of the term. The derivation, it's from Old English, salon, Germanic origin, related to Old Norse, selia, Old Norse, selia, which means to give up or sell. So the early use included the sense to give or hand something over voluntarily in response to a request. So I think it's interesting that the derivation of the word to sell means to sort of give over as a response to a request. You know, someone is asking you for something and you and you turn it over to them. Now, of course, it also means at current use uh, in exchange for something, money usually. But it's interesting that the, the benefactor in this original derivation is obviously the person who is receiving what is being handed over. They are the benefactor, not the salesperson. Now, you know, when you're in sales, you're always like, you know, how can we make a buck on this? You know, how do we benefit from this? But the correct perspective really is how does the consumer benefit? How does a customer benefit? You know, that you're giving over something to somebody else in exchange for something. It's a bit of a, it's a nuance, but it's an interesting flow. And if you take that approach, um, it puts the whole subject of sales correctly. So into, you know, a, an area of quite some nobility, really. It's, it's an honorable profession and should be regarded as such. You know, you're giving over to people things that they need. And, you know, you are requiring from them in exchange, but you are, you are bestowing something to the other person. Anyway, that's the derivation of the word sales. 
and it's probably got all kinds of weird connotations today, but that is its original sense. All right, so now let's get into this. Uh, point number seven, group sanity. Uh, the article was dated, is dated, 14 December 1970 by Mr. Hubbard. This is point number seven of group sanity, seven, sales. Now I read from Mr. Hubbard's article here. Sales actions are unreal or out of balance. So this is a point of, uh, this is how he starts out this article. So he's talking about, this is now a point of insanity, that sales actions typically are unreal or out of balance. Like salespeople are trying to get away with something or they are underselling or they're overselling a product. He goes on to say this clumsy or non-functioning sales activities penalize producers and consumers. How about that? In areas of high demand, sales actions are negligible even when heavy advertising exists. You could have the greatest product in the world. You could even market it, market it thoroughly, but it's not being sold. I can think of, uh, for instance, I know of a school uh, that is delivering sales solutions, business solutions for people. It's a school and uh, they are in an area where they are able to, uh, where they are surrounded by individuals or business owners who have been promoted to very, very heavily the importance of training their employees, the importance of training their salespeople. And yet the school is going under for the very simple reason that no one's selling. And uh, this, of course, is quite distressing to me because it's like, look, we need these solutions out there in the business world, but there is no one there to actually sell and to bring, you know, to bring about uh, someone who's actually going to get in there and knows the technology of sales. They have a market. They have uh, individuals who signed up for programs that are ready to buy service, and yet they're not being sold. This is a lot more common than you think. Look in the area. For instance, there's a lot of people with attention on their health right now. And uh, there's a lot of marketing being done about taking care of health and uh, being responsible for one's health. But do you see a lot of salespeople selling organic food or natural food solutions of any kind? These are not areas where you expect to run into a salesperson. You don't walk into Whole Foods and uh, expect to be sold. You know, you're, you're, it's basically a marketing solution only. And consequently, natural foods and things that people are actually desirous of, very aware of their health right now not being sold. If you're listening to this and you were thinking of uh, an industry to get into, I actually have a wise member who's toying at getting into this industry. I think that the natural food market, organic food mar market is an extremely good one. Everybody knows that you, know, you should be eating better and uh, look for better solutions for food, but it's not being sold. Okay. So uh, you have demand, but the demand is not being accompanied by an actual adequate sales. So you've got, he goes on to say this, or he goes into this further here, Mr. Harbert does. He says, in areas of high demand, sales actions are negligible even when heavy advertising exists. This is proven by the inability to sell what is produced even in large countries so that production cutbacks are continual threats to economies and workers. How many times have you been told, you know, that uh, farmers have been asked to cut back on their production? you know, in the news or in the media. And you kind of go, wow, I guess we're overproducing food. And yet there are people starving. Or there's poor quality food out there that isn't, isn't even giving people what they need in the way of nutrition. It's not a production problem. It's a sales problem. It's not even a marketing problem. It's a sales problem. It's not being sold. And if you take a look at your own services, 
you've got excellent services. You're doing uh, a respectable job of marketing. You're doing a respectable job of providing good quality service, and yet you're not prospering. Look to sales. There's something up with sales. It's an area of insanity that needs to be made sane. Mr. Robert goes on to say this, a population goes half-fed in times of surplus goods. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? With curtailed car factories, that's going on right now, with curtailed car factories, a nation drives old cars. With a cutback construction industry, people live in bad houses. Sales taxes are almost universal. And then he describes, he expresses it this way. He says, a third dynamic, remember, third dynamic is a dynamic of groups, the urge to survive with and of groups. He says a third dynamic psychosis is the impeding of product distribution to potential consumers. We're just not selling. Artists are terrible at this. They don't sell their own work. Well, the work should sell itself. Evidently, it doesn't because you're starving. Okay. Well, you know, I'm a great healer. That should be all I need. Yeah. How come you're Mr. Great Healer or Mrs. Great Healer or Dr. Great Healer? You're a great healer. You have an obligation to sell your services because how many people are not going to a great healer? If I had a nickel for every great healer that refuses to sell, it's this point of psychosis, the impeding of product distribution to potential customers. Get out there and sell. But I don't know how to sell. Well, that's another story. You know, or I'm afraid to sell or isn't it unprofessional to sell? If you have a misconstrued idea, if you have a weird idea of what sales is, if you don't see Sales as a giving up of something to somebody, something that's being requested. If you have some kind of idea that sales is all about shoving things that people don't need into their you know, handbags or into their cars or whatever, then yeah, that's not sales. That's psychosis in itself. No, but if you have valuable services, valuable products, make sure you are selling. Make sure you know how to sell, your people know how to sell, and you are putting this point of group insanity sane. All right. So the article goes on. He says, um, it is hard to sell what isn't promoted and can't be delivered. That's true. You had your earlier point of psychosis on promotion. You had your earlier point of psychosis on production. So if production and promotion aren't happening, then sales is very difficult. Uh, then he goes on. He says, economics greatly affect selling. Listen to these factors. Very interesting. He says, anything must be sold for a price comparable to its value in the eyes of the purchaser. And he defines some terms. Costing is a precise art by which the total expenses of the organization, administration, and production must be adequately covered in the pricing, allowing for all losses and errors in delivery and adequate to produce a reserve. So you've got two subjects here. He's mentioning costing, which is a precise art by which you establish the total expenses required to produce the product. And then there's pricing. He defines pricing here. He says pricing. The amount being asked cannot be done without some idea of the total cost of the final valuable product. These are two topics you don't hear talked about enough amongst the members and so forth. People who study the Hubbard management, they should realize that costing and pricing are two arts, refers to it as an, a precise art here, or science of working out what does it cost to actually produce the product, so what should the price therefore be? So then he goes on in the article, he says, the sale price of one final valuable product may have to cover the cost of producing other products which are delivered without price. Isn't that interesting? So when you do your pricing, 
pardon me, when you do your costing, you have to take into account that the sale price of some valuable final product that you're selling may have to compensate for another valuable final product that you don't charge for. Uh, what about customer service? What about saying, look, you know, you buy this and you have uh, unlimited customer support for X number of years or whatever. That you're not charging for. So the price that you sell for has to cover the cost of producing the customer service. You follow? That has to be taken into account in your costing. And Mr. Robert says, pricing, however, does not necessarily limit itself to only covering immediate costs of a product. A painting with a dollar's worth of paint and canvas may have a price of half a million dollars. Also, a painting used in promotion may cost $200 and be displayed at no cost at all to the beholder. So that's why there's a bit of an art to costing, because you're going to be incorporating things that do cost money to produce, but those things are not being sold. One of the areas where this is uh, very interesting and should be taken into account, of course, is that uh, one of the common errors I find with, particularly with service organizations that have a high ticket service that they're offering, they're not taking into consideration a lower cost service that might be quite expensive to deliver, you know, but you're, you're delivering that lower cost service. You're, you're, you're pricing that low. You're, you're keeping the cost low, but it may be that the price barely covers the cost or may not even quite cover the cost of delivery of that. But the, the price of the major service will be, of course, much higher and help to compensate for the price you're charging for the lower or, or more inexpensive service. Uh, introductory services for uh, anybody, really. You know, you're, you're talking about a healthcare professional charging for, uh, you know, dentists will routinely do cleanings and exams at barely for what they, you know, the price they're charging is barely the cost to deliver. But they know that if they get enough people coming in and doing that, they will sell the higher ticket items, which will have a higher price. And that price for those higher ticket items takes into account the cost of delivering the lower ticket items. Do you follow that? So anyway, it bears a lot of study. This is more on sales than on costing and pricing. It's not really a, an episode on these subjects, but uh, you should be aware that they exist so that sales can take these into account when you're selling something that it is more or less the correct price. So he says, these relative factors also include the skill of the salesman himself, and there's much technology involved in the act of selling something to someone, and the world abounds in books on the subject. So there's plenty of books on the subject of sales, but the, 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 where the starting point is to realize that there is a technology to sales. There is a way to do it right. He goes on to say this, therefore, sales, once promotion is done, are bound up really in costing, pricing, and selling. You need to include costing and pricing along with selling because that's how you establish what you're selling something for. You better sell something for enough to cover the cost of its production and the ancillary services and products that are connected with it. So you're trying to sell demo work for you know $15,000 and you're providing low-cost exams and x-rays and cleanings. These ancillary services Therefore, have to be included since you're not, you don't really have an adequate margin on those. Those have to be included in the costing of the higher ticket items, okay, so that they can be correctly priced and then sold. I'm hoping, I'm hoping I'm making this clear. It is a little bit of an accounting thing, but you do need to take these things into account uh, when you are calculating the prices of your services. And this is integral to selling. Otherwise, you're selling at a loss. 
we all are probably familiar with the joke, the old saw, you know, the individual who manufactures an item for five bucks and he's selling it for three bucks. And somebody says, well, how are you making a living doing it that way? And he says, well, I make up for it in volume. <laughs> no, you don't make up for it in volume. <laughs> that, that's a bad costing job. That's a bad pricing job. That's what that is. Um, and no amount of sales is going to be able to uh, make that organization profitable. Okay. So you have to make sure your costing is correct. Your pricing is correct. And your selling is correct. That's, that's the point we're trying to make here. Okay. So he says, therefore sales, once promotion is done, don't forget about promotion. Therefore sales, once promotion is done, are bound up really in costing, pricing, and selling. The value in the eye of the purchaser is monitored by the desire created in him for it. So I don't know if I really want this hunk of junk. And you start pointing out how that hunk of junk is really an antique and uh, has this incredible value and is a collector's item. And it's like, oh, wow, uh, I'm really interested in buying this now. Yeah, that's a sales job. The value in the eye of the purchaser is monitored by the desire created in him for it. If this is also a real value and its delivery can occur, and selling is made very easy, but it is still a skilled action. So yeah, don't make a habit of uh, exercising sales techniques for a product that has no real value and cannot be delivered. That's your moral of that story. But if you can, if it's a real value and it can be delivered, selling can be made very easy, but it's still a skilled action. So you want to review those things. Is it valuable? Can we deliver? Has it been costed correctly? Has it been priced correctly? Now we can sell, but it is still a skilled action. And he goes on to say, the production of a valuable final product is often totally determined by whether or not it can be sold. And if it can be sold at a price greater than the cost of delivering it. Now we got a great idea for a product. We know what we can sell. We're going to sell a million of these things except it costs too much to produce and people will not buy it at that price. That valuable final product will never hit the market. Or if it does, it's not going to make it because these factors are not taken into account. Then he says that it gets sold depends on the salesman. Skill of the salesman is devoted to enhancing the desire and value in the eyes of the buyer and obtaining adequate payment. Now that one sentence could be put in letters of fire. Uh, inside the desk or uh, notepad of any salesman, the skill of the salesman is devoted to enhancing the desire and value in the eyes of the buyer and obtaining adequate payment. Excellent quote that really describes the process. And uh, that's as it should be. That sounds pretty sane, doesn't it? So that's group sanity when it's in, and, but it's also a great area of insanity in the world at large today. So don't fall for that. Make sure you correctly uh, cost your products and your services, that you correctly price them, that they are valuable, that they can be delivered. And then it's over to the salesman who is able to enhance that desire and value in the eyes of the buyer and obtain an adequate payment. And that's really what it boils down to. But it is a great area of insanity. So look out for it. Be on top of it. It's, uh, it's a great area to enhance in any business. It will often, you teach an organization that doesn't have a good sales force team or uh, an owner who doesn't know how to sell, teach them how to sell. Uh, you can see a drastic and dramatic improvement in their sales and production, uh, obviously. So it's one of the easier areas to handle that produces a dramatic result. 
But um, be, do be aware, it is an area of group insanity when it's out and of beautiful sanity when it's in. Okay, well, that's it for today's episode. Uh, hope it was helpful to you. Let us know in your comments. Write us at info at wiseeastus.org. Give us a like if you liked it. And uh, we will talk to you again next week. Thank you very much for listening.